Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, it's Mike. Nothing but the truth. My journey to find it. Can. <clears throat> Why Moses didn't write the Torah. For the first five books of the Hebrew Bible was traditionally held to be the work of Moses as dictated by God, but starting with some rabbinic voices in the 11th, 12th centuries, doubts were raised among the details, challenged notion of mosaic authorship. Idiomite kings listed in Genesis 36 didn't live until after Moses was dead. Moses is referred to in the third person in several passages. There are places named that Moses could not have known. He never entered the promised land. The Hebrew of the text includes terms that were developed long after Moses' death. Moses' death is included in Deuteronomy, therefore he could not write his own own obituary. Camels are listed in the Abraham's the camels were domesticated around 1,000 uh, long after Abraham 1550 BC and even Moses was 1250 BCE the text mentions the Philistines in the time between Abraham and Moses but the Philistines did not enter the coastal areas of Canaan until around 12 BC after Moses. The text says, quote, at that time the Canaanites were in the land in Genesis 12 6, which implies that the authors write in a time when they were no longer there, but they were clearly there when Joshua led the Israelites into Canaan after Moses' death. Statements such as, quote, before any king ruled over the Israelites, and quote, in Genesis 36 31 implies, imply a time in the writer's mind when the kings had ruled over the Israelites, but none ever did in Moses' lifetime. In Deuteronomy 34, the writer says, quote, there never arose another prophet in Israel like Moses, end quote. It didn't seem to make much sense that Moses, or even God, in Moses' time, would write such words. And other details, other details were noticed as well. Certain parts of the Torah used words for places 
in things that are different from other parts. For instance, some stories in Exodus 3, 17 and 31, Deuteronomy, everywhere about once, uses, used Horeb, in quotes, as the name of the mountain where Moses received the law, while other parts of the story, in Exodus 16, 19, 31, and, 40, and 34, excuse me, Leviticus and Numbers throughout, and Deuteronomy 33 use the name Sinai. Some stories throughout use the name Amorites for the original dwellers of Canaan, while others use the word Canaanites. Moses' father-in-law is named is named as Jeff, Jethro in some stories, but in others his name is Reul, 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 R-E-U-L-E. No, let me say it again. R-E-U-E-L. So, we can discount that Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. If a man rapes a woman who is not betrothed, that is, who does not belong to another man, there is no punishment. The rapist pays his victim's father the bride price and marries her. He cannot divorce her. Apparently, God thought this was for the girl's benefit. Again, rape is not punished at all. This law essentially states, you break it, you buy it. Deuteronomy 22, 28, 29, if a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and rapes her, there and they are discovered, he shall pay the girl's father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the girl, for he has violated her, and he can never divorce her as long as he lives. Note that 50 shekels... The rapist pays for the victim's pride price is half of what a man must pay for a woman's father if he unjustly slaughters her virginity. But he slanders her virginity. Per Deuteronomy 22.15, God felt that soiling a father's honor by accusing the daughter of having unmarried sex is worth twice as much monetary compensation as raping the daughter or his daughter. Speaking of monetary values, God also makes it explicit that women are worth a little more than half as much as that of a man. Leviticus 27, 2-7, if any anyone makes a special vow to dedicate persons to the Lord by giving equivalent values. Set values of a male between the age of 20 and 65 and 60 at 50 shekels of silver according to the sanctuary shekel. Excuse me. If it is a female, set her value at 30 shekels. 
if it is a person between the age of 5 and 20, set the value of a male at 20 shekels and a female at 10 shekels. If it is a person between 1 month and 5 years, set the value of a male at 5 shekels of silver and then of a female at 3 shekels of silver. If it is a person 6 years old or more, set the value of a male at 15 shekels and a female at 10 shekels. It should come as no surprise that women are considered so worthless from the legal perspective as the theology of both the Old and New Testament support their inherent worthlessness. Genesis 3.16 To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains of childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Genesis 19, 4 through 8. For before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house, and they called uh, to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may have sex with them. And Lot went outside to meet them, shut the door behind him, and said, No, friends, don't do this wicked thing. Uh, that eight says here, look, at, look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them, but don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Well, if God can, can love Lot, he should love all the rest of us a thousand times more, don't you think? If you're not experiencing God's love, then there's something wrong, huh? All right, dialogues. We're now into the biblical errancy. Let me see where we're at with this. Let's see where we're at. Flood. Part one of two series topic has always been great interest to students of the Bible is the flood alleged event more cataclysmic than any other natural disaster in history, B.E., being the Biblical Errancy magazine, will not discuss the scientific data used by proponents to support their beliefs. Instead, two kinds of information will be used to show the flood theory lacks credibility. The commentary in the next month's issue will discuss the large number of contradictions between verses with respect to what occurred. Well, this month's commentary will concentrate on the great number of difficulties and possibilities and unanswered questions occupying the biblical account. 
anyone believing in the flood must provide rational answers to the following questions. A. Genesis 6, 16 says, A window shall thou make to the ark, and a cubit shall thou finish it above. How could so many creatures breathe with only one small opening which was closed for uh, at least 190 days or 150 days plus an additional 40 days? Genesis 8, verses 3 to 6. B, Genesis 6:15 says, quote, The length of the ark shall be 30 cubits, it's 450 feet, the breadth of it 50 cubits is 75 feet. And the height of it 30 cubits is 45 feet. How could two of every animal survive the approximately 10 months on a boat? Encompassing 1,518,750 cubic feet. If food alone would absorb tremendous space, C. Genesis 6.17 says, I do bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all the flesh. Wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Genesis 7.4 reinforces this point and every substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Yet, how would a flood destroy sea animals, such as whales and porpoises and sea snakes and dolphins and amphibians and amphibians, excuse me, and all animals entirely underwater? B, Genesis 7, verses 8 and 9 says, quote, Of the clean beasts and of the beasts that are not clean and falls of everything that creepeth on to, upon the earth, there which in two and two, two and two unto Noah in the ark, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. The problems associated with the account the creatures entering the ark are particularly interesting. I did the animals that are restricted to certain parts of the earth get to the ark. Penguins and kangaroos and polar bears and koala bears and many other would have had crossed the vast oceans. How animals from other continents managed to cross the sea can only be a surmise. How did many of the animals withstand climatic changes? Many of those from polar regions could not have withstood the heat of the Middle East. How were the animals prevented from killing their natural prey? Uh, slow animals from other continents, snails and sloths and turtles and so forth, must have started their journey to the ark before the earth was created. Uh, 
How did only eight people feed and water the world's greatest zoo for many months? How was the ark kept sanitary since there was only one window and one door? How did the animals know where to go when the time arrived to enter the ark? After being released, how did they return to their respective regions of the earth, the world? The vegetations which many animals eat only grows in certain parts of the world. How was it brought to the ark for storage? Are we to believe that two of every species Two dogs, two cats, two elephants, two snakes, and, two, and so forth entered the ark. If so, then are we also to believe, for example, that the tremendous variety of dogs in the world today, from the Great Dane to the Chinchilla, descended from two of the species, this would mark a tremendous evolutionary change, which I don't believe in evolution. I still haven't been given any evidence of it. Evolutionary change in only uh, a few thousand years. Yet the the biblicalists are the ones who denounce the theory of evolution, which they should, just as pretty much should denounce whatever theory of creation is. We have given two choices once again only two of the infinite other choices we can only get two choices how did the animals know when to seek when to seek the ark the text implies that they just came voluntarily in Genesis seven fifteen says and they went in unto the Noah into the ark Two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. How did water creatures such as whales and porpoises and sea snakes and dolphins and so forth enter the ark? Moreover, since millions of species of animals existed throughout the world, how could a pair have been taken from each? There are over 500,000 separate species of insects alone. F. Genesis 8.4 states, quote, The ark rests in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains, on the mount, upon the mountains of Ararat. Mount, not plural, huh? How could the ark have rested upon several mountains at once? Good point. Gee, uh, also he set forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Genesis 8. Why did Noah send a bird to learn what was clearly evident? H. Genesis 8.11 says, And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. End of quote. 
It's difficult to believe a dove could have found an olive leaf to freshly pluck in a world that had been submerged over nearly a year. So here we are. We're in a great dilemma, aren't we? We start to learn about the de- the uh, all the contradictions of the quote-unquote Word of God, the, the Bible, and yet we have been lied to by every other thing, when it comes to scientism, evolutionists, uh, the public school system, and television, the government, your neighbors, maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, who knows. What do we do about all this? It's just pervasive. Is it man's greatest accomplishment, his ability to deceive and lie? Is this what it really comes down to? Is this the great knowledge that one must finally accept? If this one particular story, and that's all it was, it was pushed. By the way, I do believe that there was some kind of uh, cataclysmic event that happened in the world that we live. And I believe that there was a massive flooding. I don't think it was to the point that it destroyed all life forms, but it certainly probably contributed to the isolations of the different types of animals. And whether it happened, when it happened, I don't know. We're talking about a group of people uh, and they're human beings in general to begin with. They're, quite frankly, some of the worst groups of, if we're honest, I mean, I know those who want to call themselves Jews don't want to hear this, but between their sacred texts of the Zohar and the Talmud and the Old Testament and the history as a general um, caused nothing but misery for everyone around them. So, um, yeah, it's not something to be proud of to be a Jew. It's pretty much saying you're a gangster, professional liar, and a Satanist, Luciferian. You're bragging about being a wicked person. And because of that, you can do whatever you want to other people that aren't quote-unquote Jewish. Maybe the strategy is to uh, claim that we're all Jewish. doesn't matter. We'll make up our own rabbis and say we're Jewish. And then you can't, if you kill us, we're Jews because we, we said so. I mean, is that crazy what's going on? all levels. There does need to be a reset. The problem is if it's going to be when it's all done, I don't think they're going to give us Luciferianism. It's just a ramped up version of all the false religions back into the Stone Ages. Thanks. Thanks for nothing. By the way, we're just, I'm not even getting very far here. I'm going to stop here and my commentary and keep moving. Genesis 8.20 states, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl offered burnt offerings to the altar, killing animals, of which only two remains, 
Memphis Flood seems absurd. <laughs> this is what they offered you and me, you and I. Every corner, just about every corner in every town, there's a church. And this is what they offered you. And you go to the public school system and you don't, you're not learn how, you don't, you're not taught how to critically think. Uh, you're taught a bunch of fucking lies, like going, man going to the moon, uh, that, that supposedly the corporation in the United States, which didn't exist at that time, but anyways, uh, the ruling elite to this, the 13 colonies, even that's 13 colonies, come on. Beat England, only to find out that we're still an English colony, that uh, the papacy still rules your life, that this is a Christian country, you know, it's not, it's a Catholic country. They lied about what year it is, most likely. Not only what year, but most likely what century it is. Uh, that we don't have capacity to actually go to the moon. Problems like what NASA says from their own mouths. And problems of trying to get through the Van Allen belt. In terrible degrees of... The radiation. So they lie to you about planets, all those drawings. You and I don't know what our the world looks like that we live in. Um, just gets worse and worse and worse. Of uh, the banking system, uh, we're all indebted up to our butts and beyond for nothing that we did at all. The average person has, has been tried and found guilty on no evidence at all. You did nothing. I did nothing. It deserved the enslaved state we're in, except that amazingly how how uh, how uh, we are con- deceived. We live in a world where the people that suck, you know, the people in high school and in, even in university or college that you didn't like, end up being the people that rule your life all the way through, uh, acting as if they're actually busy hard at work when they're playing golf and building their little estates and mansions, materialism. We've got the entertainment industry that's designed to keep you dumb and not to teach you anything, to uh, promote uh, shallow materialist view of life, uh, telling you what a pretty woman is, 
or isn't, what a handsome man is and what isn't. Um, ruled by a bunch of Satanists, Luciferians who are into diddling your children. They're, they like having sex with the underage kids, children, whatever that is, underage. Yeah. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? So we're at uh, yeah, eight twenty. about uh, listening to uh, how Noah wiped out one half of all the animals that he brought with him, uh, clean and unclean, every clean thing, I guess that is. Because fortunate for the other animals that they ever considered unclean before God, which is pretty crazy because he built, he created them himself. Uh, there is, there is no way uh, one can not concede to the fact that there is an intelligent designer. Well, whatever that intelligent designer is, he's not in the Bible, and a good chance he's not in. Anything to do with the, uh, the religions that have been presented to us, you're not going to find them in the words, or her, or it, or whatever it is at this point. Genesis 3.17 states, In the selfsame day entered Noah, Sham, Ham, Japheth, the son of Noah, and Noah's wife, and three wives of his sons with them into the ark. If the human race began anew from Noah and his three sons, are we supposed to believe that the wide variety among the earth's people developed in a short period since the flood? Are we to suppose that believe that the fair-haired Swede and the brown-skinned, dark-haired Indian and the black-skinned native from the same, from, from the same, are, come from the same ancestors? Okay, Genesis 7-4 says, quote, for yet seven days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth Forty days and forty nights, every living substance that I have made will I destroy from the face of the earth. But what had the beast and the creeping things done to excite God's anger? They had committed no sin. They had eaten no forbidden fruit. They had not... Try, uh, try to reach the tree of life and to think that man ha- had enough ability or Satan to pollute all the gene pool of all things living on the planet is fucking stupid. Sorry for the language, but you know what? I'm I'm a little bit angry. 
Admittedly, this has helped me to maintain and sustain myself over the past three years to realize how much of a lie the Old Testament is and how much the lie the whole Bible is. Somebody owes me some answers. Somebody owes you some answers. One thing is clear is that the Bible is given to us not for us to think clearly and to reason or even have a close relationship with the intelligent designer, the creator of the world that we live in. It's a trap to keep us from thinking. L, Genesis 8, 5, and 8, 13, states the flood covered the earth and its mountains. If so, where did all the water go? M, lastly, the questions raised in Genesis 8, 19 must be answered. Verses, the verse says, quote, Every beast and every creeping thing and every fowl whatsoever creepeth on the earth after their kind went forth out of the ark. How were the animals preserved after leaving the ark? There was no green except such as had been submerged for a year. How were the herbivores taken care of until the earth was again clothed with vegetation. There were no animals to, devour, to be devoured by the carnivores, except those which were on the ark. From whence came their food? Apologists will be asked in next month's issue to address an equally large number of contradictions between the verses themselves. Dialogue and debate. Letter 22 continues from issue number 10, page 5, part H. You claim that Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 15, 5 can only be interpreted to mean that either there were 13 apostles or Peter was not an apostle. In fact, the explanation for these verses this verse is childishly, childishly simple. The Lord appeared first to Peter alone, see Luke 24:34, and then to the group, the full group of apostles, including Peter. Adder's response to letter 22, part H. In 1 Corinthians 15:5, Paul states, stated, and that he was seen of Cephas. Peter, then of the twelve. You claim that Peter was in the group of the twelve and quote Luke twenty four thirty four to prove your point. You should have read Luke twenty four thirty three and thirty four, which says, And they two men on the road to Emmaus I never could have pronounced it. M this whatever it is, it's E M M A U S. 
rose up the same hours and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together. And them were them that were with them saying, The Lord is raised indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Verse thirty four strongly implies that Peter was not present because he was the subject of the conversation. But even more importantly, the inaccuracy of Paul's 12 in 1 Corinthians 15.5 shows the fact that Luke 24.33 says 11, not 12, apostles were present when Jesus appeared. In Luke 24.36, incidentally, it should be noted that if there were, in fact, 12 apostles, as Paul alleged, then Judas must have come back to life. He died before Jesus appeared to the apostles, and his replacement, Matthias, was not elected to the apostles until after the ascension. Oops. Blech. Letter 22, Corinthians part I. Finally, you say that Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 10.8 contradicts Numbers 25.9. In fact, however, it does not. Paul states that 23,000 fell in one day. In Numbers 25.9, it states that those who died by the plague were 24. It does not state that all of the 24 died in one day, as Paul does. Technically, therefore, there is no contradiction. But beyond this, even if Paul had used the number 23 to refer to the an event in the Old Testament specifying 24, there would still not really be an error. Paul was simply making a point whether he recalled the number of people that died perfectly accurately is not really important. Unless you're one of the 24,000. And then you would like to be recognized. Would you? One way or the other? At least been recognized for the injustices that befalls you. Editor response to letter 24, part I. You have given the common response to this problem, but have failed to note that number 25, 5 through 9, is referring to what occurred in a single day. The narrative of events is quick, brief, and consecutive. Moses gave an order to slay the offenders. Immediately thereafter, an Israelite took a Midianite woman into his tent and was slain by Phineas, Phineas, or Phineas, whatever it is, Phineas, for doing so. Immediately following this, the plague was stopped, but only after 24,000 had died. The actual verse in Numbers 25 verses in Numbers 25, 5 through 9 show the plague was confined to one day. And Moses said, 
to the judges of Israel, Every one of you slay his, his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of all the congregation. And when Phineas saw it, he rose up from among the congregation, took the took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent, and thus both of them through thrust both of them through, so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel, and those that died in the plague were twenty four thousand. Your final statement is a little short of amazing in the light of the fact that it is diametrically opposed to the very premise upon which inerrancy is based. In effect, you are stating that if Paul's figures, figure is incorrect, so what? One might just as well say, if Jesus is not God, so what? If salvation doesn't exist, so what? If Jesus is not the Messiah, so what? If Adam and Eve didn't, did not sin, so what? All these concepts, including the number of the number that died during the plague, came from the same book, the Bible. And if it can be mistaken with respect to one belief, it can be false with respect to all. But how do you know what is true when you admit certain parts are false? Surely, oh, this is where discernment comes in. <laughs> and everyone has discernment, and it's amazing how everyone discerns things differently. But discernment, he's got discernment. We all got discernment. I got discernment in me. I got this discernment in me. I got discernment in me. I got discernment in me. I got discernment in me. Anyways, where is it? Surely you must realize that if God's book cannot have cannot have a scintilla of imperfection, a perfect being cannot produce a book with an even even a minor error. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodists, said it well, quote, If there be any mistakes in the Bible, there may well be a thousand. If there be one falsehood in that book, it didn't come from God, from the God of truth, end of quote. Journal, Wednesday, 24th, 1776. Yeehaw, that faithful year that probably not even exist. It becomes nothing more than another book on the shelf. Letter 22 concludes Part J. So, Mr. McKenzie, in one section of your publication that really deals specifically with biblical inerrancy, quotes, your, quote, score, in a quote, was zero for eight. Perhaps you will not agree with my position on these issues. I really wouldn't expect you to, but I hope that you 
have some faint recognition of the fact that I do not, I do know whereof I speak on these matters, that I have investigated them more thoroughly than you have, and that your arrogance, or excuse me, your arguments, remain completely unconvincing to me, I know, I now have arrived at the purpose of my matter. The section of your publication just prior to, quote, Paul, the deceptive disciple, and a quote, is, quote, copying, excuse me, coping, coping with apologists, and a quote, it's close, it closes with the remarkable statement, what do you do with people who won't engage in a critical discussion of the Bible, whose minds are closed? When Jesus assumes control, many seem to enter another dimension, which is not so much a twilight zone as one of pure darkness, end of quote. I have only been a Christian for less than five years, but I have read through the entire Bible at least three times. And at the graduate level for a year, after being out of college for almost 12 years, I received my B.A. from Williams College in 1967, achieved a 4.0 average in the process. The deeper I become involved in Christianity, the clearer it becomes to me that just as you say, Christians do live in a world that is in many ways radically different from non-Christians. The problem with your perspective of this fact is that it is non-Christians who live in a world of darkness. SBJ then quoted John 3, 19-21. I'm confused by people such as yourself, Mr. McKenzie. Do you actually know that the so-called errors which you point out are actually not errors at all, as I have demonstrated? Are you, in other words, simply trying to turn people against the Bible using whatever means are necessary? Or do you actually believe that these things which you have alluded to are errors? Editor's response to letter 22, part J. You have made several points, SBJ. It's your blowjob. <laughs> Let's take them one at a time. In the first place, BE works with biblical errancy, not inerrancy. Whether the latter even exists is a matter of dispute. Second, you said my score was zero for eight, which reminds me of a polling booth official who told his leading political opponent, quote, it isn't who has the votes, my friend, it's who counts them, end quote. Third, you've stated you know 
whereof you speak, and have investigated these matters more thoroughly than I, I suggest we leave this determination to the readers, for it would be difficult to convince someone of anything if he insisted upon leaping to premature conclusions and engaging in uh, uh, I can't say it now. Braggadocio. Braggadocio. You ignored the advice of the book, which you defend with such conviction. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another praise thee, and not thine own mouth. In the quote. I suggest you hear out your opposition before drawing conclusions. Fifth, the relationship between your ed- educational background and the Bible's validity is difficult to fathom. Higher institutions have hundreds of biblicists with innumerable degrees. Many are devoted or have devoted not five but 50 years to Scripture, yet I doubt if many would claim their assertions are true because of the years involved. Six, I take exception to the comment that I use, quote, whatever means are necessary, and quote, you are impugning and punching the integrity of someone about whom you know little, I have not questioned your character and would ask that you respect or respond in kind. Let's restrict ourselves to the issue and let other render the verdicts. Seventh, I do not have to, quote, turn people against the Bible, unquote. Many make the choice themselves once they have the data and have heard the arguments. At these, this point of your letter, SBJ, you produced, you proceeded to describe the errors of my ways and urge repentance. You switch from, quote, prover, in a quote, to preacher, in a quote. I only wish you had other issues for BE instead of writing for final page, which is permeated with premature judgmental comments and patronizing attitude based on issue number eight alone. Criticizing points with BE is quite acceptable, but any attempt to summarize to the jury before the opening remarks have been concluded and quite concluded is quite unwise, if not juvenile. Remember your phrase, childish, childishly simple. Letter to the editor, letter 24 from FM of Novato. California, and this is N-O-V-A-T-O. Dear Dennis, I have enclosed a page of our local newspaper with your ad. 
FM kindly bought an ad for BE in his local town newspaper. <clears throat> the ad ran twice, but it's a small ad. in a small weekly, so you may not get any responses. The city council recently approved having a prayer before council meeting, which I argued against to no avail. So your ad is the last gesture of defiance. Being 63 years, 63 year old printer, I do believe in the value of advertising. However, as much as I would like to do more, I am still waiting for my ship to come in. When and if she ever does, you can be assured you will get more publicity. I am also enclosing an issue of basis containing the story on how to make a Shroud of Turin, which may be the answer to letter 21 from BLC in BC issue number nine. Editor's response to letter 24, Dear FM, any advertising you can render BE is certainly appreciated. I have many three inch by three inch flyers that can be posted on bulletin boards. Each card says, quote, Biblical Heresy, one free copy, 23 Fay Drive, um, and on Ohio, 45323, and on is E-N-O-N. So 23 Fay Drive, and on Ohio if you want to see if they're still around. If you would like to add the effort by posting some around your area, please let me know how many you want, and I will mail them. Anyone who would be willing to assist BE in this matter needs only right. Advertising, if you know of any publications in which I could advertise effectively but inexpensively, please let me know. So far I've relied mostly on the humanist, the progressive, the guardian, the churchman, a free inquiry, and in these times. Yeah. Do I want to read another one of these? I think I won't. I think we'll leave it there. A lot to think about in the past hour. Well, I do believe in God. It would be foolish not to, to see the hands of an intelligent designer. We're just starting to get the, the sinking feeling that he's not all that interested in that much in us. Maybe the deists were right. I don't know. It's clear that uh, the Biblicist in the Bible is not really that reliable. 
that is not reliable at all, if we're honest. So. It's depressing. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.